0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Desert Streaming. This is Marco Casanova, your host, and I'm here with a friend, Brian Butler. Brian Butler is the co-founder and president of Dumb Ox Ministries. And I've heard a lot about you, Brian, from my my boss, Andrew Comiskey. So it's just great to have you here and, and really grateful that you said yes to this invitation.
1: It's great to be with you, Marco. Thanks for having me on.
0: And Brian, you come from, you're in Louisiana, correct? Correct. Wow. New Orleans.
1: Yeah, I'm about an hour north of New Orleans. Uh, okay. I actually was born uh, on what we call the North Shore, about an hour north of New Orleans, uh, and then did live on the South Shore in the suburbs of New Orleans for many years. Okay, lived out of state up in the Northeast for a while, and I've uh, been back with my family here uh, in Covington, Louisiana for the past eight years or so.
0: Okay. And is, is Covington its own diocese?
1: No, it's no. A, it's it's a small suburban town. It's, okay. it's within the archdiocese of New Orleans. We have done okay. ministry in the diocese of Homotibido, diocese of the, all, all the dioceses here in Louisiana we've done ministry in, but um but we're in the archdiocese of New Orleans. And your wife Lisa. Lisa, yeah. 23 years. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And, and you're like 23 hours man. Ah! or something like that, right?
0: Bro, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a rookie. You know, I just got married a few days ago, so that's awesome. Hope to get to. Your I was so someday. excited
1: to hear that when you when you told. Is this maybe your first podcast since coming back?
0: Totally, bro. Well, You're the first that's one. That's even better. I Let's get a chance go. to be the, the
1: first time of, of, of you being a married podcaster. It it's
0: gonna be better, you know. Hopefully, um. So a quick question about, uh, uh, honestly, not a quick question. I have a few questions about your ministry, Dumb Ox Ministry. So, I'm I'm assuming that the Dumb Ox, of course, is Thomas Aquinas, right? Yes, okay. The, can the you explain to, to our, our our listeners a little bit? just like how did you get to that name? you know, like double yeah, began ministers. it began with
1: uh you know, a good good friend of mine, Randy Hernandez. uh we okay. were best buds growing up, uh super competitive together uh did did all kinds of stuff. and in college, we began doing ministry together uh, mm. at the parish level and then started being asked to do. Uh, retreats and and talks around the Gulf South, and we were playing pool one night at my house, and uh, we had started writing this little book uh, for teenagers that was mm. like line by line going through the Gospels with just some provocative sort of questions and insights, super short, pithy kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, it was on a big yellow notepad, you know, at that <laughs> point. And it's like, well, who's going to publish this book? And it's like, well, why don't we do it? And <laughs> so we started that night. Uh, what are we going to name our production? You know, our publishing company, and um, and I, I remembered, you know, Thomas's uh, Aquinas's nickname being mm. the dumb ox, and he was nicknamed that by his friends when he was young because he was very large and he was mm. very silent. Uh, but Thomas uh, was actually a saint because of his purity of heart mm. and uh, and because of his radical faithfulness in following God's call in his life. And those were things that we wanted to foster with wow. young people. And so, um, and I went for the, you know, it was like, this is a sassy name that teenagers <laughs> will like connect with and they'll want to ask yeah. a question. And whenever somebody's asking a sincere question, now there's an opportunity to teach, an opportunity to learn. And so um, that night, Dumb Ox was born uh, in, in our hearts. And then a few years later became an official entity. But We've actually hit a quite a milestone this year and actually, I don't know if you even knew about it, Marco, but mm. we officially, uh, after 20 years, we're changing our, we just changed our name. So, oh, I, no, we're actually, way. no We're actually no longer Delmox Ministries. <laughs> oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's great because it's fun to be able to tell the real story of, of 20 years later. Um, so what's the new name? The new name, drum roll, right, is uh, Echo Community. Okay. And so that that comes straight out of uh, Saint John Paul II's work, where he says we have a distant echo in our hearts of original innocence. Wow! And uh, maybe some of your listeners will know, like original innocence is his definition or his, a phrase that he used in the theology of the body work to to teach about uh, to to say that Adam and Eve had absolute purity of heart. Mm. And uh, that we have this distant echo of that in our hearts now. It's not something that we taste immediately, but we we kind of know it's there. Yeah. We have a heritage of it. And and we yeah. long to live from that again. And we can in and through the grace of Christ. We can't go back to Eden, but through the grace of Jesus, we can wow. be redeemed and can again uh, adopt and live in the redemption of of that heart. So we actually began a retreat in 2010 that uh, was called Echo and it actually became our most powerful outreach for the last 12 years. And so we came to the cliff of changing our name a number of times because of the fact that people would say, "Oh, so you're Tom? Oh, so you're you, you're Thomistic? You teach Thomas' stuff?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah. not really. We're more <laughs> John Pauline. We teach the theology yeah. of the body." And it became a little bit of a hiccup, and so eventually we just went all in and uh, became Echo Community. So when you,
0: I, you know, when you're speaking about the the history of Dumb Ox Ministries, the 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 name of that, and and writing this book, the gospel with these little pithy things, um, w- did you kind of stumble into theology of the body, or did you know that? You wanted to do something th- th- threaded with this tome of human love. Like, how did you get to Theology of the Body?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, when we first started Dumb Ox, uh, Theology of the Body was not on my radar, uh, mm. and it was just a desire to to have uh, this relevant youth ministry and to follow this patron who was, a, who was a faithful witness. And even though he was brilliant intellectually, he was very humble and very pure mm. of heart and and those are things we wanted to foster and so in the next couple of years i started learning the theology of the body actually in and i was doing a masters program down here in new orleans uh, in theology at our uh, notre dame seminary okay an off campus program uh and it was an outside reading opportunity uh and i started reading john paul's main work and i understood like 10% of it you know at wow. that at that point and uh and but dedica- but really was impressed with and powerfully impacted by what i was reading and my wife, Lisa, um, she came from a Jewish background. Mm. Uh, and so she and I came from very different upbringings, had very different sort of histories and different wounds and mm. gifts. And the theology of the body started to impact my personal life, her life, and our marriage together. And I started sharing these insights. Uh, I was also teaching high school at the time because Dumox was just the nights and weekends things at the beginning. Okay. Uh, and I started teaching it to teenagers in the classroom, and then on these retreats that we were doing. And I just started seeing the light bulbs just, you know, wow. go off more quickly and more powerfully than any other way that I had presented the gospel. And uh, as they say, one thing led to another, and yeah. here we are.
0: So, your is your ministry primarily to the youth? So, to high school age students, or what? what what's the target audience?
1: Yeah, it began that way. Um, okay, but as we kind of grew in our relationships and grew in experience. It started, you know, doing stuff for teens and then college students. And, and, uh, then it became teens and young, you know, college students and young adults. And, uh, and then we kind of stretched down and did some stuff for middle schoolers, although really not much. Um, okay. I actually wrote a program, uh, for them and we're going to be revising it soon, but we don't actually do events for middle schoolers. Uh, and then started doing stuff eventually with, um, with engaged couples and Whoa. married couples. And wow. so, it has become, you know, our tagline has been for teens, young adults, and families. Okay, uh, and so the message sort of stays the same, and we tweak it as far as it's um, how it's shared according to the audience and the situation.
0: I love that. That is so cool. I mean, rediscovering this Echo of Eden for the teen is something that I, I'm like, I have a lot of questions about. You know. I'll 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 tell you why. So uh, yeah. a few months ago, we were a colleague and, and myself were invited to a high school to speak about same sex attraction, right? And um, and it was it was hard ground, much to our surprise, because this is a pretty Catholic high school. I mean, just you know, by and large, you 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 would get the impression that these are are pretty like kind of run of the mill Catholics, you know. But there was an allergy to the idea that sexuality can be broken. And so there was an allergy to the whole thing. (laughs) I mean, we're coming with uh, an understanding that our sexuality is indeed broken. Because honestly, if our sexuality isn't, then we, we misunderstand the incarnation. Jesus assumed a sexual human nature to redeem us in ours. Like that's kind of at the essence of why he became man, why he became flesh. So the fact that that they were almost trying to exercise from the lexicon of our christian understanding any brokenness in our sexuality was kind of a wake up call you know so a question to you is how how do you probe these really important issues with teens today who may who may in fact be vehemently against any language of brokenness in our sexual reality
1: yeah, well, I, I think I'll go big picture for just a moment. Yeah. Um, our, our ministry is, I, I always tell, share with our team, and, and you know, we try to live this out, is like our, own, our ministry is only as strong as our relationships. Mm. And so mm. while I think that it's fantastic and important for us to give great talks, uh, i think that the seedbed for that real receptivity to the gospel doesn't happen so much in a talk as it does in a relationship yeah and i do i'll give talks at high schools like you like you're talking about and it is very difficult mm. um and uh, there are are some of us you know who are you know more equipped for that than others Uh, and we learn along the way you learn from a lot of mistakes over the years of which things are better to say and which ways are better to approach things but even the greatest Mm -hmm. of of speakers in that realm uh i would hands down every day of the week want to spend more time with those young people yeah. to actually be able to understand what is it that they are actually going through and where are they coming from? Thomas Aquinas, my main man who used yeah. the, you know, the dumb ox, uh, <laughs> uh, he actually you know said that a person can only receive in the mode of the receiver. Mm. And mm. so if a person is before you and they're experience has got a whole lot of things in it that you and I don't know what they are. Yeah. And they have a whole lot of uh insecurity and they've got a whole lot of peer pressure. And <laughs> there's so many things happening inside of that young person. It's really not necessarily a war between truth and, and fiction. Yeah. It's really like, well, this seed is not getting to the soil, actually. It's yeah. just not actually getting in there yet. It's being caught by these other things that are at play. And when you get a chance to know someone, when you get a chance to spend time with them, then some of those defenses start to drop. And 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 they start to open up and they start to share about what's going on in their life. And they yeah. start to – um, and you can build rapport with somebody more over time to be able to propose things uh, that are maybe challenging, but they recognize or – are true, you know. Yeah, like, yes. I mean, hey, can everybody recognize that we we really want love, right? You go mm. to baseline. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every every head is going to nod on that, right? Yeah, we we do. But can we also agree that like we don't all have it mm. the way that we want? Yeah. So why is that? That's a very basic sort of premise question. And what what about all these desires that you have in your heart? And aren't they, they sometimes they're a little confusing, aren't they? Mm. And so we start asking and proposing. Sort of those sorts of questions, but inside of not only talks, but in these experiences uh, on retreat and, and with people in real life and they have a small group that they're walking with and they start to get a chance to know people in a closer context and they're not just one of a big group of people. Yeah. Uh and and those defenses come down then the real stories come out and I think the gospel is really better able to be received uh than than it is in these difficult sort of moments that you're describing.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean what I'm hearing you you say is um there there's a responsibility on those uh In the day to day with these with these young people, you know, there's a response. I think I think the temptation would be, oh, let's hire out to do these difficult talks, right? (laughs) Let's hire out to the quote unquote experts, which barely, you know, you know, it it would be strange to categorize ourselves as that we're just witnesses. But I think people see us as like experts, because it's a difficult topic that maybe some of them don't even want to probe. But I think you're right. It necessitates some sort of ground of, of mutuality. Like I know you, at least I know you some and you know me some and Therefore, I trust you. I trust you more. And so therefore, I, the harder word that may come, be it about doctrine or morality, whatever it is, it, it it's landing somewhere. I love what you said about what Thomas Aquinas said. That's really cool. But the mode of the receiver, you know, being able to actually be open and and receptive, even to the hard things.
1: Yeah, which I think connects even to an old adage that, you know, is maybe not spoken very often anymore. But the old adage in youth ministry a gazillion years ago was like, you know, people don't know what you don't don't care about what you know until they know Mm -hmm. how much you care. Mm -hmm. And that's. Pretty simple, but I think pretty true. Like, yeah. who are you, Mr. Expert, who walked yeah. in the door? Uh, because somebody else asked you to come. I didn't ask you to even come here and talk to me. <laughs> so right. there's there's a lot of resistance to whoever sure. that person is, especially in the areas where we've got <clears throat> questions and guilt and shame. Yeah. And, um, and the culture is presenting and all my music maybe is presenting and, and mm-hmm. movies are presenting a particular ideology and way of looking and seeing things. That's maybe very different than either A, what the gospel actually says or different than B, what I think it says. Sure. Um, And there's a lot of misconceptions there, which maybe, again, are some of those things keeping the seed from even reaching the soil because I think I know what you're about to say, even if I don't really know what you're about to say.
0: You know, it brings me to a point that I wanted to bring up with you, obviously, in these days where we're, we're commemorating the life of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and just his life and and his mind, the legacy of his intellect, which um, I was reading a, a wonderful article from Archbishop Chaput in First Things and really kind of heralding the, the idea of... Um, being a doctor of the church, you know, like this guy definitely has the qualifications. It seems, but in this spiritual testament that he wrote in, I guess, two thousand six, he he says this these amazing lines, which I really liked. Um, Stand firm in the faith. Do not let yourself be confused. I love that there was there is. It's simple. It's to the point. And then, of course, he kind of poetically goes into like Bavarian stuff. But it is like a neat. It's kind of a neat. Like what? Stand firm. don't let yourself be confused. And when I think of our age today, I think of confusion. You know, I think of the, and, you know, of course, this is my lane, Brian. So excuse me if i'm I'm kind of hyper focused on this. But, like, the heresy of today is this sort of manipulation of identity that I can be whoever I want to be, that I can even manipulate myself to, to actually fit into maybe an, another gender or I, whatever the case is, the LGBT spectrum. Dr. John Haas of the Catholic Bioethics Center, I don't know if you know him, but he's the one who really helped me see that. Like, this is the heresy of today. When I read this of Pope Benedict, uh, it, it reminds me of that. Like, wow, don't let, we can't be confused in this age. And it's so easy to be confused, it's so easy to kind of drink the Kool Aid, so to speak. Of what seems like benign kindness, you know, but which is actually not kindness at all. It's not pastoral charity to lead people into deception. Which leads me to my que- question for you: Just in in your ministry in your work of teens and families and marriages, how do you how do you minister to persons who, um, or what do you find challenging or, or in fruitful in ministering to persons? Who are struggling in these areas of of identity, of of sexual identification? Um, what do you What are you finding to be helpful and fruitful and and challenging?
1: Yeah, I, I think that um, there, are, I can sense in myself after doing ministry for a long time, and specifically through the lens of the theology of the body, there have been at times uh, a temptation for me to think uh, or start to wander into some. Um, Maybe unspoken sort of idea that, like, well, you just need to know the theology of the body, and then Mm -hmm. that, then, then everything (laughs) will be good, you know, like, then you'll understand. And there's inside of that thinking is something Gnostic, right? Mm -hmm. Gnosticism is like about this knowledge. If I just know more, then. Then I can be saved in some way, shape, yeah. or form, and I think that there is a worship of that knowledge today. Mm. When we've got such an information overload on the internet, and and everybody, you know, uh, wants to to go ahead and and learn uh, this, you know, big set of ideas, um, but understanding the whole of creation mm. uh, doesn't simply happen through a book. That yeah. happens through the process of integration, and mm. that can't happen without Jesus. Mm. And so, at the heart of all of the ministry that we do, and every talk I give, and all the retreats that we put on, and is is it's Christocentric. It's it's Jesus. And actually, so you, two things that you said bring me make me think of of uh, two quotes: one from John Paul II, and one from Benedict. Mm. Um, so, actually, when he was still Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, right before he became Pope in 2005, he he spoke about. Um, the need to have Christ at the center. The Mm -hmm. son of God, the true man, he is the measure of true humanism. An adult faith is not a faith that follows the trends of fashion and the latest novelty. A mature adult faith is deeply rooted in friendship with Christ. This friendship opens up to all that is good and gives us a criterion by which to distinguish the true from the false and deceit from from truth. We must develop this adult faith. Truth and love coincide in Christ to the extent that we draw close to Christ in our own lives, too. Truth and love are blended. Wow. Love without truth would be blind. Truth without love would be like a clanging symbol. Wow. And I think that he's he's basically saying there, well, yeah, all the different things that you're going to learn are important. But if you don't know Jesus personally, then you won't know how to distinguish the things that you're learning What's an ideology versus what's true? Yeah, uh, and and that brings me back to John Paul II with what you were saying about manipulation. Uh, in in his you know theology of the body, uh, he talks about the fact uh, that there is a, a possibility of looking at the body in a way that is just overly scientific. Mm -hmm. Uh, looking at who we are uh, in an overly scientific way. Uh, Maybe some would say scientism, right? Unless you can prove it to me scientifically, then it doesn't exist. And John Paul said, the theology of the body is the basis of the most appropriate method of man's education or self-education. This takes on particular importance for contemporary man whose science in the fields of biophysiology and biomedicines are very advanced. But in and of itself, such science does not yet develop the consciousness of the body as a sign of the person, mm-hmm. as a manifestation of the spirit. So I I can't just understand that simply from looking at science. I don't know what yeah. the body means, basically. Yeah. And then he goes on, he says, when one uses such one-sided knowledge of the body's functions as an organism, it's not difficult to reach the point of treat, treating the body more or less systematically as an object of manipulations. Wow, wow. And he goes on further from there to talk about how important it is to understand the body being proper to the person and the body revealing the person, and that's a breaking away from the manipulation that you're talking about and yeah. recognizing, well, no, this is a gift that God has given to me. Right. But that's quite a process of integration to actually start to consent to the possibility of to, to the possibility of consenting to that. Yeah, uh, it doesn't happen simply on reason alone, um, but that happens in and through relationship with with Christ.
0: You know, as you, as you quote these men, um, I do feel a sobriety, you know, there is a sobriety in the death of Benedict that um, may we be good sons to carry on the legacy of his understanding of the human person. You know, I was talking to Andrew Comiskey, uh yesterday and he he was talking exactly in that, in that, in that thread. Can we, can we be good sons? Can we represent them well, you know? And especially in our work, when it hits at these issues in, at the heart, you know, it's an answer. We're in answer to to the problems. It's not the answer, but faithful sons of the church and trying to do the work of our ministries to bring people closer to integration, to communion with Jesus. Um, but can we represent these men well? There is, there is something sobering in his death, I find, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, there, there's something... Ending with his death, but may we carry on the legacy, so to speak. Does that make sense?
1: I totally agree, and and we need to continue to herald those things that John Paul heralded and that Benedict continued. You know, he made yeah. it very clear that he was standing upon John Paul II's shoulders yeah. with his own uh, papacy, which his very first encyclical, Deus Caritas Est, <laughs> uh, of God is love. Totally took themes from John Paul's po- whole pontificate, but specifically through uh, the theology of the body and sexual redemption, mm-hmm. and and just hit them head on in, yeah. in that first encyclical. So he was saying, "Yeah, I'm going to continue moving this forward." And and there is a there is a great loss there. Um, yet we've got um, more reading to do than we ever have. If you want to look for a person to go ahead when they're gone and decide, well, how, what should I learn from them? Well, pick pick somewhere and start. Yeah. no, it's so
0: true. You know, I, I will say, uh, reading John Paul II is 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 quite amazing. It is quite dense, you know, and uh, he kind of speaks in a very. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. I've never read anybody like him. I think Garrett Lagrange, his his great, like his doctoral, you know, what is it, advisor? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he said his sentences were too long. I think that was like a critique of, of John Paul. But I love reading Pope Benedict. I will say reading Pope Benedict is like reading romantic, you know?
1: It's awesome. He's precise. He's very precise. That's one of his great gifts, one of his wonderful gifts.
0: Gosh, I remember reading Jesus of Nazareth in the seminary, and it was I I would just highlight these whole paragraphs and pray with them, you know. Just like it, it was data for prayer. It just had like this, this beautiful. It's certainly fruit of intimate fruit of, of intimacy with Jesus. So, just grateful, grateful for his life, and 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 may we may we do justice to the legacy of his, of his thoughts. So it's great.
1: Yeah, I think that they're right. There's quite a. um Quite a task ahead of us to make sure that uh, those legacies don't end up in the dust bins uh, of history, and that we keep them alive. You know, when I when we do work with young people, um, and we talk about Saint John Paul II, you might as well be talking about you know Saint Thomas Aquinas, who (laughs) lived 800 years ago, because they didn't know him. He died in 2005. They do not know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so I've found it, it it good to try to actually bring him to life, to make him. Uh, to 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 show pictures, to try to wow. tell stories, to go ahead and actually show the, who is this man, um, this, and and what did he love, and why was it so incredible? You know, um, one of the things that he did, you know, over the uh, back in the in the mountains in in Poland, was to create something called a środowisko. Mm. and a srodowisko doesn't translate super well to English, but it, it's more of a milieu or a zone or an environment of, um, that was really just characterized by freedom, you mm. know, and these, these young people who take off into the mountains and they would do all kinds of very human things. You know, they would sing, they would pray, they would play, they would discuss, uh, they would adventure and, uh, all those things with Christ at the center and yeah. having him as a person that we go to for, with our questions and we, and we wrestle with them and we have good dialogue and even debate, but... We're going to see that I'm not the center of all this and that I don't have all the answers and and be empowered to ask those questions to the one who actually became one of us and yeah. who wants to teach us how to live. Is John Paul your patron? Absolutely. Yeah? See, like your yeah. go-to, you know. I think that when we, so what we actually for our ministry is we started off with Thomas Aquinas, and we okay. we adopted four patrons basically. And so it was Thomas, Aqui- Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Aquinas. Thomas is mad,
0: man. He's mad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, he gave me permission.
1: I prayed with him, and he was like, "Listen, I don't need to be in the name to still yeah, be a yeah. patron of yours." Um, so all we did was we switched the order of how we we do at our intercession. We finish our prayers with Saint John Paul II. Pray for us. Uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas. Pray for us. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for oh, us. Nice. And St. Joseph, pray for us. You know, the the man and the woman. Uh, perf- oh, nice. Any, any reason why um,
0: under the title of Guadalupe
1: for Our Lady? We actually did some ministry down in, in Mexico. Uh, okay. You know, we did our echo retreat down there years ago. And I, I made my Marian consecration in the awesome. uh, the Basilica of Our Lady Guadalupe. And that was really special. And, you know, she also is uh, was a... In she appeared in a time and place where the body and sexuality it was really not understood then, and mm. and there was uh, all kinds of things that were going on uh, that were that were really problematic, and and she being the star of the new evangelization and um you know a patroness of America, all those things I guess yeah. you know uh, kind of totally.
0: They're amazing qualifications for to be a patroness <laughs> or something. So, Brian, uh, so for our listeners who are just interested in getting connected or opportunities to connect with your ministry, what how do we how do we
1: do that? It's not dumboxministries dot com <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, man! I'm so embarrassed.
0: I, I freaking started it, with the no, wrong it's so name. Fun.
1: it's so fun. I agree. I think it's fun uh, that and it, 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 some pe- we still do have that domain. If people get confused, and it'll point Not to so. us. But <laughs> EchoCommunity.us is our okay. new hub site. EchoCommunity.us, and for our retreats, which we are doing for um, yeah teens and young adults and uh, engaged couples and married couples echoretreats.com is the site that's got all that information. We actually have uh one coming up for engaged couples on in February, mm. February 24th to the 26th down here in Louisiana. We already do have at least a few people coming from out of state. So awesome. wherever people are listening to this, we're we welcome you to jump on echoretreats.com if you're engaged uh or if you're married. We've got stuff coming up way later in the year and we have a lot of um retreats that are happening in different parts of the country one for young adults coming up in uh, the Atlanta area in the spring one in Chicago in the summer and then one in Dallas in the in the fall so excellent I um, need to get into there
0: now when when you speak of like teens uh, young adults engaged couples married couples do are are these different events for these particular like can everyone is it include all of those groups or is it separate so
1: sometimes sometimes we'll do them specifically uh, for the particular group. So the one for engaged couples is just engaged couples. Okay. The one for married couples is just for married couples. Uh, sometimes young adults, just young adults. Other times, young adults and teens happen together. And that's actually a really been a really cool experience where we mm. invite young adults to come for a weekend and we yeah. pour into them. They get their own retreat. And then on day four, the teenagers come and they arrive. Wow. And the young adults turn around and become the mentors and they give away what they just received for the last four days. That is so it's awesome. Two re- it's two retreats in one. It is an explosive experience to, to see all the community and the joy and the and the traction that's made in those first few days with that community, and then let that community give away what they receive for the next four days. It's uh it's amazing. We'd love to have you at some point if you want to. That's join
0: amazing. Us. Wow. I'm I I do want to get connected somehow. It's great to be with you, Brian. Honestly, it's an honor to be running with you to expand the rule and reign of the Lord and just, uh, honored that you would give, give me a few minutes of your day. So thanks for being on, on the podcast today, man. Appreciate it.
1: It's great to, to be had on the podcast. Thanks for all you're doing, Marco. Love, uh, love what you and Andrew and the whole team at Desert Streams doing. So, uh, God bless all that you're doing in 2023.
0: Thanks so much, Brian. For all those listening, thank you so much for tuning in to Desert Streaming. Until next time, God bless you.